This is Out of Office for April 2016. Managing External Experts. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. G'day, Gihan. How are you? I'm very well, Chris. How are you going? Yes, I'm well. It's um, it's school holidays time, so it's, kids are on a break, but I'm not. And have you taken Lauren to see the big Lego exhibition? I haven't, but that is one of the things that we have signed up for. Pretty expensive tickets for adults, but uh, kids' tickets are pretty cheap. Okay, that's that's good. I saw I saw some photos from um, Abby's my, my niece Abby's friend who went to see it, and she thought it was great. Yeah, it looks it looks awesome. So um, and Lauren is a big Lego fan, and so am I. So. We're looking forward to that. <laughs> good, 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 good. So today we're going to be talking about working with external workers, um, and that's important because uh, external workers, let's define them first. That's uh, people who are freelancers or contractors, consultants, even gigsters. And it's important because they're making up an increasing proportion of the workforce. A recent survey of US workers showed that 40% of uh, the workforce consider themselves to be external workers. And they're also increasingly being engaged to work for organizations. So a survey of leaders showed that half of them plan to engage with external workers. And the reasons for that are that there are some advantages to engaging with external workers. Firstly, it's agile, so you can respond more quickly to changing requirements if you engage with an external worker who already has the necessary skills and expertise that you need, rather than the time and effort that might be needed to train one of your full-time employees. And it can also be cheaper because uh, when you engage an external expert, you just take them on for the period that they're needed rather than having to retain a full-time employee with, uh, with matching skills, but whose skills you might not always be, uh, be making use of. And there can be lower administrative overheads. So when it comes to engaging with an external, you typically draft a contract, both parties sign, and away you go. But with full-time employees, there's a lot more administration. There's, there's HR and there's office resourcing and all of those sorts of things. So there's less overhead with, um, with your external workers. It's a little bit of an interesting contrast with out-of-office workers, isn't it, Chris? Because your out-of-office workers want the flexibility of being typically full-time, but they work away from the office, whereas here we're talking about people who aren't full-time and they may or may not be working in an office with you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So what we're talking about is, is that it is different, as you say, Gihan, and so when it comes to managing uh, your external workers, it is going to be different from how you deal with uh, your full-time in-office staff. And that's what we're going to talk about today, those differences and how to deal with them. And it's important if you are a manager or a team leader because it's likely that you're going to be engaging with external workers. And it's important for you if you're an out-of-office worker yourself because it's likely that that's external work is the basis on which you're going to be engaged. So it's important for you to know what your clients need to do to get the best out of you. And broadly speaking, we've got uh, two kinds of external worker. You've got people who are freelancers and they tend to do small pieces of work. Often they do that virtually or remotely. Compare that with contractors who tend to do uh, longer, larger pieces of work and that's often done on site. And it's easy to neglect uh, freelancers when we talk about external workers because they're only engaged for a short, short term and they're working remotely, but it's important that you don't, and we're not going to do that in this podcast today. So broadly, 
invite your freelancers to participate. They've got a range of skills and experience beyond just the work that you're engaging them in. So that's really valuable. So invite them to participate more in your team and integrate your contractors. They're going to be part of your team and while they're there, they're expected to fit in like everybody else. So integrate them as quickly and as effectively as possible. Yeah, look, and we're going to get into some of the details of how to work with external workers and external experts. But look, I think the broadest thing to think about is just change your mindset around them. So think of them as as if they were full-time employees or as if they were full, full-time members of your team and go beyond the stereotypes. Because like typically, for example, when you think about pay, uh, you tend to pay your external experts differently. So contractors are typically paid by the hour. Uh, freelancers are typically paid by the project. But both of those things kind of limit their, the, the way you think about them and the way they think about their work. So paying contractors by the hour means that they focus on the effort that they put in, not necessarily the results. Paying freelancers by the project means that they focus only on their project, whereas you might think about other things. So you may give them, say, retainers where they get paid like your full-time employees. Uh, they get paid like a, like a wage or a salary, but only for a fixed period of time. And that just gives them uh, more flexibility to think about how they're going to contribute to the team. So, so just in general, and that's just one example, you can also think of things like um, development, training and development generally external experts are left to figure out their own training and development needs but um, your full-time employees so you you have some responsibility for it so again if you start thinking of them the same way as you think of everybody else in your team you'll just get a lot more out of them all right so let's get into some detail Gihan, and we'll start at the beginning with onboarding so you might have some standard materials such as your employee handbook and some online training and some documented systems and processes. And sure, you can give your external workers access to that, but that's not going to be enough. There's also going to be some informal knowledge that your team has that you want to share. So you might have some team documents like case studies that you can share with them, some templates that you work with, or a team wiki. So give your uh, when you're onboarding, give your external workers access to that. As well as documented um, documented content, you probably also have some undocumented and unwritten ground rules that you would like to introduce your external workers to. So one way you can deal with that is to get one of your team members to buddy up with the uh, new external worker and show them the ropes. That'll speed up the process and, and give them deeper insight into the way that you work. And that's really what it's all about, this onboarding process or early in the project. It's about getting your external workers aware of the organization's culture, the strategies that are in play, and your ways of working. And again, that's particularly important for your freelancers. It gives them a greater sense of ownership with regard to the work that they're doing and shows how that their work fits into the bigger picture, so where it fits into your organization's strategies and goals. Yes, and I found that very much for myself, Chris, working with a lot of freelancers, because I do, I, quite, I outsource quite a bit of work to freelancers. And as I'm doing it, I'm always thinking, I hope this is going to be the sort of person who can be a long-term um, member of my team, so somebody I can keep outsourcing work to. And I'm Initially, I used to make the mistake of going, okay, here's a one, one-off job, let's see how well you do. And if you do well, then we might take you for uh, my uh, think of you as part of my team long term and now I'm thinking mm-hmm. more um, okay let's start off with the mindset that this could be the person that I want to outsource all my writing to or all my transcribing to and therefore let me start off by assuming that they're going to be that person and then give them that sort of um, um, more feeling of ownership of being part of my business rather than just doing a simple task yeah 
Um, and that, that leads on to the, what we're talking about with inclusion. So as much as possible, engage with them exactly the same way that you'd engage with everybody else in your team. Don't treat them like second-class citizens on your team. So avoid things like meetings where you only have your full-time employees there. And I've, I've had that situation even when I was on secondment in the UK where I was really part of the same company. But there were times when um, contractors, because I was considered a contractor, uh, weren't invited to certain meetings and, and other employees were. And, you know, there's sometimes there are reasons for that, but often there aren't, um, in, in particular with freelancers, because most freelancers don't expect to be treated like full team members. So they probably won't take the initiative to ask to be involved in a team meeting or to be asked to copy on certain things. So you have to be proactive about including them. And uh, many of them would jump at the chance if you do give them, if you do give them the chance. So, so don't wait for them to offer, but, but be proactive and give them the chance. Uh, I actually found this uh, recently working with a writer in South Africa who I'm using for one of my uh, one of the products that I offer where I uh, help authors write books or help experts become authors. And I was working with Christine and she's a good writer and uh, we've worked on a couple of projects together and the first one went really well, the second one not so well. And so we just arranged a Skype call to figure out what was, um, you know, f- to get some feedback to figure out what we could do next time to make it better. And uh, and she really appreciated feeling like part of the team rather than just a freelancer who um, did an 80% job uh, at instead of a 100% job, which you did the, pre- the previous time. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, Gihan. So you mentioned there how Christine really valued uh, the feedback that you, that you gave her with regard to the, the second book. And that's a, an important part of how you deal with uh, and work with your external workers in terms of um, it's important not to just say, oh, this job uh, was delivered on time and on budget and it was, it was of, of good quality. You've got to go beyond just those three standard measures and provide more detailed f- feedback on the performance uh, of the work that you're externals have done and that's that's really important because that helps them uh, in, as you mentioned with Christine they're really going to appreciate uh, getting uh, feedback that's more more deeper than just the cost and timelines involved they, they really do value those opportunities to because for them it means that they can enhance their skills they can uh, they can provide better services to you and to other clients that they work with so it's just going to it's going to really help them and it, so it's more than just you know you did this on time and on budget they want to know about the soft skills how well they uh, fit with your organization how well they integrated with your team were they good at presenting when they had to do so all of that additional information is so valuable uh, to your external workers, and they're really going to relish the opportunity to improve the way that they work, and that's only going to happen if you can give them um, give them deeper feedback than, yeah, you, you delivered this on time and on budget and it was of high quality. Yeah, and you're right, Chris. So the feedback uh, works in both directions. And as you said, uh, your external experts, your external workers appreciate the feedback because they want to learn. But also, uh, and this particularly applies to that example with Christine, I actually wanted to learn from her expertise as well. So as much as it was for me to give her feedback on how to make the, uh, how to do her part of the job better, it was also about me uh, wanting her feedback and her years of expertise on how can we make this a smoother process in the future because I want to work with her over and over again. And, and I'm pretty sure that she appreciated the fact that I was 
actually asking for her feedback uh, rather than only just giving feedback in one direction. Um, because you know, I just think that your external, uh, particularly your external workers, your uh, experts, whether they're contractors or freelancers, they do have a different kind of expertise than anybody else uh, in your team. Uh, I mean, everybody has different expertise, but typically contractors and freelancers, because they work with multiple clients in many different situations, perhaps using lots of different technology in different organizational cultures, they can bring a fresh perspective to your business, to your organization. So, so they might see problems that you don't see. They might see opportunities that you don't see. They might be off, able to offer solutions that you don't see. And by you, I mean you and the other people in your team. Um, so t- as much as possible, learn from your external experts rather than just using them as resources. Um, and the only thing I'd say as a bit of a caution is just be a little bit careful of that, that whole not invented here syndrome from the rest of the team because uh, you might find people get the backup um, when they hear somebody coming in from outside, swanning in with all their great ideas, um, and the people inside the team who have legitimate reasons why those sort of ideas, you just can't implement them straight away, or maybe you can't even implement them at all, or sometimes maybe they are good ideas, but they just don't like somebody from outside coming in and sharing it. So just be careful of egos, uh, everybody's egos, the, the people who might get their egos bruised because they're inside the team and they know how the organization works and they don't like somebody outside coming in, and also be careful of the egos of some of the contractors and freelancers who sometimes push their ideas too strongly uh, just because they think it's a great idea and everybody else should follow along. Yeah, yeah. So all of the things that we've been talking about here have perhaps worked against some of the advantages that I talked about at the beginning, so the agility and the lower costs and the reduced admin. Here we're asking you, if you're working with external workers, to, to take extra time and to, to spend uh, expend more effort on integrating and uh, giving feedback to and receiving feedback from your external workers. It's, it's really tempting with external workers just to get them in, get them to hit the ground running, uh, get the job done and get them out of there. But you're going to get so much more out of them if you uh, if you go to the extra lengths that we've described so far, um, and that extra effort is going to pay dividends, especially if you seek to deter- to develop long-term working relationships with your external suppliers. So all of those that additional effort is going to be amortised over multiple pieces of work that they're going to do with you over a longer period. So. Uh, Th- th- those 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 costs uh, are borne out over many many pieces of work if you're going to have a long-term working relationship with them, and obviously if an external worker, a freelancer, or a contractor knows that there's the prospect of repeat business with you, then they're going to put in extra effort and they're not going to mind being asked for say. Um, can you provide us with some additional feedback? Can you tell us some of the things that you've learned about elsewhere? Some of them might be looking towards the next job if they uh, you know, they want to get out of there as quickly as you want to get rid of them, unless you know it's clear from the outset that you intend to develop a long-term relationship with them. Yeah, and again, I think this uh, this is very much about your mindset as a leader or manager, because if you think about the way you look at your full-time employees, uh, you don't necessarily think of them going uh, thinking about repeat business. They're just thinking about, okay, here, this is my job. Uh, this is my job for as long as I want it and as long as I'm able to work in it. Uh, so they don't think repeat business. They just think this is part of my career. And again, if your mindset towards your freelancers and contractors is the same way, so it's not that whole mercenary idea of, 
okay, if I do a good job here, I'll get repeat business. But it's just like this is one step along my career path and I can be in here for as long as I'm adding value. Then that's a great relationship that you can have with them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Gihan. And the the other thing that you can do when you when you're investing in their future is you know ask them what are the sorts of things that they want. So you're talking about a you mentioned a career path there for them, Gihan. Well, that's that's an opportunity for you to approach them and say, look, what sorts of things, what sort of professional development are you interested in, and how can we build that into the work that you're doing for us? So, for instance, they might want to improve their presentation skills. So you can coach them to run. Webinars as part of uh, as part of their interaction with your team, and it might not be that they have any clear idea of that sort of thing. So you can test their boundaries. You can uh, you know push them beyond the remit that uh, that their engagement involves. You can you can force not force them so much, but offer them opportunities and uh, lead them into uh, areas and skills that they might not even anticipate that they had. Yeah, exactly, Chris. And I, th- I think this all comes down to saying that uh, you, you know, don't hold all the best opportunities back from your externals. Don't give them all to your full-time employees who you see as leading them along on their careers. Think of your external um, freelancers and contractors the same way. So as you said, development opportunities, even leadership opportunities. There are, even though you may not see that your contractors or your freelancers perhaps moving up into permanent roles in your organization, there are still opportunities you can give them. As you said, like they can run webinars, they can chair meetings, they can present to senior management. Some of the things that you would automatically think of giving uh, as part of the development path for your other team and give them to your freelancers and contractors as well. Because A, first of all, they might be the best person for the job at the time. And also, you never know what might come up in the future and what they might want to do as a result of you giving them those opportunities. Indeed, yep. Now, we spoke earlier about uh, feedback to and from your um, your contractors, but that was more about um, them learning from you and you learning from them. But another p- type of feedback is feedback about uh, your interactions and, and relationships. So make sure that there is a forum where your external workers can provide you with some early, honest and open um, feedback on how things are going, it, particularly when you're first engaging them make sure that they can uh, raise issues with you sooner rather than later so that uh, they're not left to become significant problems. So therefore, schedule regular reviews. Make sure you have a standing agenda item where problems can be discussed openly and honestly, but also provide a forum where um, that kind of feedback can be offered in confidence. It might not be that a team meeting is uh, the place where some issues can be discussed, particularly if they're interpersonal sorts of um, issues. So also provide a, uh, a feedback channel that where where issues can be discussed in confidence. Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what you do for your other team members. So we're mm. just saying, um, don't forget your external, like your freelancers and contractors, just because they happen to be externals. Absolutely, Gihan. Okay, so look, I, I think that uh, a lot of the things that we've talked about, some leaders and managers are doing already. Uh, and I think if you're not doing it, just get to the, used to the idea of starting to, to focus on some of these things and pay attention to some of these things because more and more uh, teams are going to become fluid. People are going to come in and out of your team as they're required. And what you want to do is have the best people with you, but the best people may not be the, the same team every time. And that said, quite often the best people will stay together because they do tend to gel and work together and have a great skill set, uh, not because 
they've always been employed by the same organization, but because they are the best people. And so when you're dealing with your external experts, your freelancers and contractors, uh, just look at ways that you can treat them the same way that you treat all your other team members. And in my presentations, Chris, I often talk about something that you would be familiar with as well. As a, as a software developer, we always used to have this, um, this saying, it's not a bug, it's a feature. So the idea is that anytime, um, anytime you look at something in software you, and it looks like there's something wrong, um, you can try and think of a way of actually that was a feature that wasn't, uh, that wasn't a negative, it's a positive. And I think that applies to people as well. So instead of saying, oh, he's half a world away in Ecuador and that makes things difficult for us to schedule meetings, think of that as a feature that maybe they get overnight, overnight turnaround because he's in a completely different time zone or maybe you want to have somebody who can deal with American clients in their time zone. So that could be a feature. Um, you could say for a contractor, oh, she doesn't know our coding standards. Um, yes, that's true. So you could call that a bug or you could say this could be an opportunity for her to actually review and maybe even enhance our coding standards based on based on her experience from working with many other clients. And I think the one that comes up quite a lot is something like, and that's not the way we do things around here. Well, okay, fair enough, but maybe that's a good good trigger for you to change the way that you do things around here. Uh, so very much treat your external experts as, um, first of all, as equal team members, and second, as maybe even better than equal, because they've got experiences and talents and skills that they can bring into your team and your organization. Yeah. And I'll just add to that, Gihan, is is the tendency or avoid that tendency to think of your external workers as a single use resource so that they're only being used once for a single skill set or for a single purpose. Instead, encourage uh, thinking of them long and deep. So, as we said, seek to develop long-term working relationships with your contractors and your freelancers and also tap more deeply into their broader experience and expertise and then provide them with opportunities to deepen that even further through professional development opportunities. Great. So th thanks, Chris. I really enjoyed the conversation. And, and by the way, I talk about this a little bit in my book, The Future of Leadership. I have a chapter about the changing workplace. And I do very much talk about contractors, freelancers, and telecommuters, the kind of out-of-office workers that, that we talk about more often, Chris. So I have a link to that to my book, The Future of Leadership, at our website, which is outofofficebook.com. So thank you again, and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks, Gihan. Bye for now. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.